0: Hello, everyone. Great to see you on this Thursday uh, lunchtime. Hopefully, as, as Lucy said, you have some coffee, some, uh, a can of Coke, a drink of water, whatever it is that you, is your your flavour, and you're ready to uh, really enjoy the next 50 minutes um, of, of uh, listening, really particularly to the story of LastMinute.com over the last couple of years. Uh, and, and, and bear with us, because we're not going to kind of rerun COVID uh, particularly, what we're going to really get into is what Last Minute did to survive and actually thrive in many ways internally, despite probably one of the worst economic environments they've ever, ever faced in their history. So we'll we'll get into that um, shortly. Just for those of you who are joining for the um, first time, a little bit about uh, Impulse. So Impulse is an employee engagement platform. consultancy so we can do both the platform side of uh, your employee engagement pulse surveys and annual surveys uh, and everything kind of goes with that Uh, and also we very much do the sort of supporting you from the consultancy side from whether that's keynote speaking to uh, kind of really getting into how do we help line managers improve how they engage their teams i put this slide up for those of you who are seeing it because um we're really proud of the fact that a lot of our data has been used over the last two years, and, and that continues, actually. In fact, we've got a couple of really great articles coming out, I think one in management today and um, uh, potentially one in Forbes over the next um, two or three weeks, so we'll let you know about that. But it's been picked up particularly because um, our focus and what makes us very unique in the space is that we focus on on emotion, uh, how people are actually feeling and uh, why that is. So we'll get into some of that as, as we go through no doubt. And then also just to give you kind of a flavour of the type of clients that we're really proud to work with, including obviously lastminute.com. So that's a a, a little bit about us. As I say, I'm thrilled that you've all joined us today and um, really look forward to getting into uh, the conversation. So without any further ado, um, two two people actually just want to introduce. um, Firstly, uh, Stu or Stuart, as you've been called here, Stuart Bagnell, and um, who's the chief? Of, fine. <laughs> thank you. Who's the chief of culture for Lastminute.com Group? So, uh, Stu, great to have you with us. Thank you very much.
1: It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me on to
0: speak. Yeah, definitely. Well, we're really, really excited to get into it. But also, just uh, for, for those of you who are listening. So, uh, uh, Jody, who works for Impulse and is our Insight Consultant and so Jody's is going to be sh- sharing some data in a, in a moment or two. Jody, great to have you with
2: us. Great, great to be here.
0: Fantastic, so as I said the setup for today is very much um, what's been going on, how did lastminute.com um, not only survive but actually thrive internally, we can talk about the business side which um, I'm sure everyone will guess wasn't great as it wasn't for anyone in the travel industry particularly, um, because of everything that you were, that was going on but how did you kind of what was going on on the inside story that's what we want to get into what were, what was Stuart's chief of culture really um, working at what were the solutions what were the big problems how did you overcome them so to set this up uh what we wanted to do is it was actually um, Jody and I were, were talking and, and, and one of the roles that Jody does is to sort of look across our clients' data and see what the trends are that are going on, what's happening within and across the data. And are we seeing anything that we need to be talking to them about? And um, Jody, as you came to me, said, Matt, there's some really interesting data coming out from lastminute.com. And so I'm going to let you, Jody, on that note, I'm going to let you talk that through. It'll set us up really nicely then to get into um, why Stu is on, uh, uh, on on the panel today and why we're, we're talking to him. So Jodie, over to you.
2: Absolutely. Yes. Thank you, Matt. So um, as Matt mentioned, a big part of what I do is looking for these trends. So I want to start by explaining some slightly broader trends that we're seeing on a sort of overall impulse level. And we've got two key scores here that we're going to look at, which are both um, high level at the moment. So these are across all our clients at Impulse. So this is global data across all sectors that we're seeing here at the moment. The first one is this positive emotion score. So this is based around asking people how they're feeling and then the responses to that. And really interesting figures here actually because we can see, see that they're sort of mid fifties both across uh, 2020 and 2021. And actually this is a typically fairly low score It is a little bit difficult for us to compare to previous um, years to that just because this the focus has shifted at least. um, This data focus more on well being has come about as a result of the pandemic, but we can see where the scores are sitting there. And then the second one in the table below is around the well being index and typically for this, we can see a big drop between 2020 and 2021. Typically, we would say sort of four to five percentage points would be a significant drop. So we can see what we've got here across all our clients um, Mm -hmm. at that overall level is a really significant decrease in um, in people's well-being. So um, if we then go on to compare this to what we were seeing more specifically in the travel industry, um, what we're actually seeing here. Is that emotions and well-being both are trending in the other direction um, across these two years, sort of both pandemic years as well. So we know that of course the travel industry has been hit incredibly hard by the pandemic. Um, as Matt touched on, and I'm sure we'll hear more about from Stu as we go on. Um, but these companies, I'm sure, knew very early on that they would have to strategically prioritise people um, in order to get through and to stay afloat. So um, I mentioned briefly about that percentage point um, difference and what's significant and it, that usually being around 5%. We can see here some of these changes um, that if we look for the travel industry, for example, on the wellbeing index, we've got 67 jumping up to 72. And we would only see an increase like this where something's been done, where action has been taken To make sure the score improves and actually if we go on to look at this even more specifically for lastminute.com we can see particularly if we focus first of all on those emotions we've got a six percent jump there which is incredible and we'll be really keen to hear from Stu about how that's happened what those actions were and how that's come about and also really interestingly that well-being has been maintained we haven't seen that that drop that we've seen across um pretty much all other clients to a certain extent or across all other sectors. So this hopefully sets the scene a little bit that actually by using this as a focus, it's almost like the hard times can bring out the good and um, show where the focus needs to be. And before we do hear more from Stu, um, let's just have a quick look at some key scores from last um, last minute's data specifically, which I think these are really important as well and really interesting and really show that sort of, by prioritizing people, the results that can come about. So this first one here on the positive population, just to briefly explain what we're seeing here. So the positive population, that is people that are giving fully positive answers um, to the question around how they're feeling. And we can see that between 2020 to 2021, there's a huge increase here. This this is incredible to see, really great. And let's take this alongside the data below as well, because, Mm -hmm. Anxiety, as we all know, I'm sure, and have experienced to some extent has been huge throughout the pandemic. It's an emotion that we saw shoot up right across the board. And for many, it has stayed high um, or transferred into another negative. But actually, if we look at these scores together and sort of we've got that positive climate, go to the next level and look at what's changed, we can see that it's this, probably down to this huge drop in anxiety we've moved those people into feeling positive. Um, the danger with anxiety would often be that it would turn into burnout and people feeling exhausted or further negative emotions beyond that. But actually the dial has shifted in the right direction. We're trending the right way. Um, so can't wait to hear more about how that's happened and what the details are from Stu around what's been going on um, and how it's been focusing on people internally.
0: Uh, Jodie, thank you so much. That was excellent. Really well put across. And for everyone listening, I hope that now explains why then uh, when Jody who's sharing this with me, I was like, we have to get stew on. It's clear that if you you know, you look at this and, and, and kind of going, going back, you can see that um, whilst the travel industry were really, and we know, working with a number of the clients, we know they are working incredibly hard with their people internally whilst facing some major difficulties. Um, last minute, it was kind of doing it Pretty much the best. And uh and so we're like, Stu, you better come and share your secret sauce and, and that magic because this is what people have signed up for. 150 people signed up to hear what <laughs> have they done. To make probably disappointed. Disappointed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm probably gonna disappoint. I know, I know because you're a lower iron.
1: bar, please. A lower bar. <laughs> yeah.
0: So so listen, Cody, uh, thank you. Thanks for joining. Thanks for, for sharing that was really, really helpful. So Stu, I think without further ado, it'd be great to first just tee up for everyone um some some people might know what last minute do you know I'm, I'm sure everyone knows the brand it's pretty pretty uh, pretty iconic actually but just share a little bit about uh, yourself first and then uh, the company
1: Sure, no problem. So um, hi, everyone, um, and thanks for joining. Um, I have been um, at lastminute.com for a long time. It's around 15 years. Um, I refer to it, though, more as three evolutions because um, I was part of the business when it was a British-owned brand, um, which is, I think, what it's been most well known for, um, before it then became uh, a US-owned company from one of the giant uh, GDS, Global Distribution System Corporations called Sabre. And then the final sort of uh, last five years have been with the uh, sort of Italian Swiss owned uh, company that acquired um, the last com uh, brand and business.
0: And um, which one have you with- enjoyed most you?
1: I can't divulge. I'm enjoying this one the most. Um, I feel this one um, I've, I've had the most growth personally in. Um, but, <laughs> but my, my history in, in the company has been within learning and development roles and um, in corporate communications. So um, the chief of culture role came around. It was actually at the suggestion of uh, our CEO um, at the time. Um, he, you know, felt the, the skills that, um, I had from the different roles that um, I've been working in blended together really really were something um, focused around the employee the experience and engagement and um, uh, so that's kind of how it came about but for me engagement's been a real a real core uh, passion I think um, and for those who don't know uh, the, the company lastminute.com uh, we are a third party travel agent and um, so you know uh, we help people uh, live for the holidays um, hence the the strap line we live for the holidays. So um, yeah that's that's who
0: we are, what we do. That's who I am. Fantastic. Stu, thanks, thanks so much. And I think again for, for those listening, we, we are going to ask some really honest questions because, and I did talk to Stu about this beforehand to, to, to say, look, um, you know, part of um what we're in, I'm really interested in and why I want to talk to you, Stu, is, you know, we do know that we, everyone knows incredibly tough economic environment, tough to 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 operate as a travel industry in the travel industry as a business um and we also know that when the bits opened up and, and you know all those are we in are we out are we out of lockdown all that sort of stuff, um uh, there were some challenges for lastminute.com as there were for all uh, travel companies around the customer and then changes to things and then cancel population policy and and what i'm really interested in um is we, we saw it all from the outside and we saw some of the media. I'm sure some of those who, who are listening or, or, or watching will know, you know, or may have even booked through you. But actually, what was it like on the inside where you are under huge amounts of pressure? There was there was so much going on. So I'd love you just to talk us through a little bit of the last two years from some of those major pain points that, that, sure. that we've
1: I um, Do you know, I sometimes have to pinch myself. It's been two years still. I mean... Um... It's crazy. I mean, the reason why I put this picture up, I think for us, you know, um, just to give a bit of context and I don't want to dwell too much on the pandemic itself, but like you say, it's more about the the challenges faced, but to give context, um, back at the end of uh, 2019, um, everything was Fantastic for the for the business. Um, we'd had the best year we'd ever had financially. Everything was going really really strong. Mm-hmm. Um, we were traveling for work uh, and pleasure. And, you know, working in the travel industry is great anyway because I mean it attracts a certain type of person. Um, you know, uh, adventurers, explorers, people who you know um, love seeing yeah. the world, seeing other cultures. Yeah. So, um, we for the first time ever in the company history were able to bring all twelve hundred employees together for an event um, in Ibiza in October 2019. Um, this was the one where I was going to speak and then you cancelled me. Yeah, this is the one, <laughs> I'm so sorry. But um, it was it was an epic event as you can imagine um, yeah, um, yeah. and um, engagement was high and I think um, what's interesting if you move on to the next slide I think this gives a, a bit of uh, data and an overview So. Yeah. Um, you know since uh we partnered with you um you know we've been running surveys and back in 2019 specifically um at the beginning of the year in february we had a uh, pulse check um which is what we call them and um you know really high response rate and an engagement level of 68% so you know and that's when business was going well um we did a tactical mini pulse in november which came shortly after the uh, um, <laughs> the, the party in Ibiza, <laughs> let's say, um, and you can see the um, the score did lift, uh, not as significantly as I thought it would, but I think, um, you know, the, it's this really interesting point of view that, you know, yeah. what questions we're actually asking and what people are answering are more around the engagement levers, the mm-hmm. mood of the people or what they're going through at the time. I know that there was an organisational change back in um, February, which yeah. impacted that, but when the pandemic hit, it hit, like you said, really hard, like all of the travel industry and all of the various waves and roller coasters we've been on since um, with all the different restrictions and um, announcements Boris Johnson's made um, or whatever. They had real uh, material impact on, on, on the business and the bookings. But I mean, everything just stopped for us. I mean, we went from being a very powerful booking engine uh, to essentially what we call a cancellation engine. And it was insane. But I think the challenge was really our systems and our um, people and processes were not really equipped to deal with the volume of cancellations we were getting. And to give you an example, we went from having uh, 1,150 daily bookings um, with around 50 cancellations to zero bookings and 1,200 cancellations. it was relentless, and it was really tough, and it was tough for our customers, um, you know, um, I think first and foremost, you, you know, it's people's money and people's holidays that um, have been impacted. And, um, you know, even personally, I experienced the, the, the challenge of uh, having to cancel flights uh, through mm-hmm. our own company and go through a very long, arduous process to, to reclaim that, but... Mm-hmm really it was that it had to become an all hands on deck approach for us and you know we redeployed staff to support the customer services teams it forced us to really look at our uh back-end services um and systems um which needed huge amounts of development you know we realized that there was some significant um chat problems around uh, our uh, internal product because of the volume of cancellations but you know um even now we're still making improvements um and
0: hopefully for customers going forward it's going to be better than ever from from that perspective but um just a couple of, couple of questions and uh, just everyone listening really keen please do put in the chat or on the q a any questions you have for Stu as we go through really keen we, we always have a good level of, of engagement and keen that we we have that here so from whatever angle you want to want to put the questions to Stu, please do. But Stu, a quick question for me, um, just for, and again, maybe for those listening that might, might be of interest is, um, how did you deal with the change of leadership style? Because 2019, best year ever, knowing your company a little bit, it, it was visionary, uh, but high energy and high fun, right? And then suddenly, the context changes and you're in a pretty awful, like as you say, 100 cancellations a day. Uh, it's all hands to the deck it almost brings up a sort of war kind of feeling or or like you know you know the, the, there's a fire happening quick we've all got to respond. so what did you see in terms of the change of leadership over that period? Well
1: I mean it was it was really complex because I think you know um, one of the things which um, really helped us as a business to survive through this was the um, utilising local furlough schemes or workout reduction schemes and um, our headquarters is based in Switzerland which um, you know is what seemed to be uh, really worked out for us because they offered a, re- a really uh, huge support to the business. Mm. Um, we also had a significant change in leadership um, as well throughout the pandemic so we had uh, one of our CEOs step down and change So. Um, there were so many different plates to spin um and you know it was very quick the the levels of um challenge around job security isolation the disconnection and all of those sorts of things and you've got people who working i mean if you go to the next part of the slide uh, if you just click on one what you can actually see is um just sort of this this sort of evolution that we had to change complete tactics and approach so we've gone from measuring engagement to measuring well-being um, mm. I find it always quite a strange thing to say how do you measure well-being but um, I think for us the main goal here um, and this was you know amongst all of the leadership team things were really different um, we were not trying to achieve uh, goals and targets on this but it was really understanding how do we support our people mm. um, so we started to do the pulse um, uh, focused on well-being but it was really the data that we got and we did it quite early on so we ran the first pulse check in May because we knew we needed to understand as a leadership team how are people feeling and what do we need to do how do we need to pivot what plans Mm -hmm. do we need to put in place to make a change Mm -hmm. if you go on one I can sort of explain a little bit more than about how we do that so um, the visuals here are really just as just a a snapshot but um, what what I think essentially happened was the huge communication program that we had to put in place with the CEO and essentially it became uh, something that we were doing on a weekly basis um, and uh, for, for the people that were on work and reduction and furloughs, this may have been the only one moment in the week where they were able to get, you know, uh, join the business because obviously they couldn't be working. Um, anyone who was working was fully focused on the customer services and, and the cancellation issues. Yeah. So this is really, you know, uh, where they knew nothing they could hear a lot about what was going on. So um, our goal was quite simple: it was to create a real continuous narrative mm. um, that gave full transparency of the state of play.
0: So you know, sorry, sorry, Stu, just I want to pause you there because that's very, very powerful. I hope everyone heard that, and, um, and I'd love to know if you're still doing it. A continuous narrative with full transparency about the state of play. And just, just again, for those that think like that was, we heard that time and again from employees through surveys over that two years is, please tell us truthfully what's going on at the business level. We wanna see it, we wanna know it. Don't hide it from it. Don't wait till the end of the year to do the full year end release. We, we wanna know constantly. So it's great to hear you were actually doing that. So tell us a bit more, how did you do that?
1: So. Um... <laughs> So with the survey data, we knew that this was crucial um, and we put in different frameworks. But the core one, which really sort of worked well, was a group wide q and um, with the CEO, which we were running, um, it was weekly uh, throughout the real sort of the depths of the pandemic when it was really, really challenging. And you know we changed the frequency of it, but it was an open Q and A, there was no holds barred. They could ask anything they wanted and we would give honest transparent responses, the good, the bad, and the ugly, um, and people really did. And you know sometimes there was nothing to say. I mean, it was the same information being regurgitated, but I think for people it was, I felt that uh, they're being informed, they're being heard um they can get things off their chest ask questions and it just really brought us all together and I think you know strange everyone being completely fully remote actually these moments really made people feel like they were again one company
0: yeah um, sorry just just two things just for everyone listening how um what give us a sense of the size so when you're saying all hands are we talking so uh, these were, so we had around uh, 1,100 employees and on
1: average, uh, we'd have about 900 to 1,000 people joining these sessions on a weekly basis. So
0: a very high engagement. Very so super high. high
1: engagement, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, so, so so that was the first thing that we did. And then the second things that we started to do were, um, and it was much more in the trenches, it was our employees were getting together um, to say, well, actually, how can we do some things to support our well-being? You know, we've highlighted and you can see from the results that the uh, survey that we asked where people were not exercising they weren't eating properly you know so all of the questions we've been asking we had some real tangible data to to take back and you know people were really up for um helping the company find solutions so we set up what we called the be well campaign and um, it was employee driven and it was where people could come together it was where they were running you know whether it was uh things like the yoga sessions, uh, online yoga, working out, uh, CrossFit, um, or just forums where people could get together to blow off steam. I mean, we do like to,
0: uh, a few gin and tonics, I have to say, with each other. And, uh, I remember. You know. <laughs> I know you've witnessed it. Um, really? but- Sorry, just something else you said there was really powerful. Uh, and again, I don't want people to miss it, because there's some great um, what I call value bombs that you're giving to people. And, and, I, and I've got a question, but I just want to pull out the employee-driven campaign. It's really interesting because what we saw with a lot of companies were they were doing um, HR led campaigns. So in other words, we think you need this. We've got this new system that's got 10,000 videos for you to watch at every moment of every day. We've got 400 new classes for you to join at any point. But it was all HR. We kept saying to companies, no, no, you need to be employee driven. You know, that's that's the key is listen to them and let them drive (laughs) what they're looking for when it comes to the well-being. Exactly. And, you know, we have um, a happiness
1: team um, uh, in either local countries. I mean, we're, we're trying to now uh, find a virtual multi country led happiness team at the moment uh, to to support this whole um, hybrid remote working. But um, so, you know, we already had small communities of people that were engaged about doing things in local offices. So um, they were a great ambassador set and starting point for us to sort of say, how and what can we do? And, um, you know, uh, they were the ones who I give all the credit and kudos to um, in getting it activated and getting people engaged. And, you know, it, it did sort of feel like it started to peter off uh the people joining and participating in the activities but i think that was just the nature of the fatigue
0: everyone was going through that you know we
1: all experienced from uh, 2020 into
0: 2021 so so i have to ask you because you know uh, if i was listening i'd be thinking so are you continuing with your continuous narrative full transparency We are. um, I think um,
1: sometimes it can be detrimental to be as uh, open and transparent as possible, particularly when we're, uh, you know, we're quite an agile business and we go through organizational change or change in leadership structure and things like that mm-hmm. um, in order for us to try and progress the business forward so um i think uh, in one of my other previous evolutions of working in in the company it would be very much we have everything sorted out in the background before we communicate yeah. and we're very much more communicate and then uh, work out and deliver you know how the change will be implemented which can uh, provide challenge but people really appreciate it i mean it's the one consistent piece of feedback that we've had in all of the different surveys that we've got is that okay we might not like what you're saying but you're telling us what's going on
0: yeah um, yeah so you also made another really key point um about just keep saying the same stuff even if it's yeah. new and it's so interesting i meet so many senior exec who get oh but you know we've got nothing new to say so what should we communicate i'm like but you don't do that with your children do you <laughs> you know, say, so we won't talk it's like you know in every other human relationship we still talk about the same stuff often but we keep yes doing it because that's what it is to be human that's what it is to connect yeah, yeah. don't throw your food on the floor you have to tell yeah. them all at the once otherwise... <laughs> even in my house <laughs> yes
1: exactly <Yeah. laughs> um no you're, you're completely right and i think you yeah. know that was one of the things um the challenges because even our ceo was um at the time saying but, you know, I'm only going to be saying the same things. And I'm yeah. like, it's really not the point. It's just yeah. about um, that consistency. And it's about having um, that sort of community.
0: But if well, you look go well, on. I was going to say, I need to keep moving. Because we've only got about 25 minutes left. We're flying yeah. back here. So I'm going to move on to the next one. So what was great for us? And I think
1: um, it was off the cuff. So uh, Kirsten and our team, um, she decided to do a last minute uh sort of application for the workplace by Facebook, the customer success awards. And so we sent off a little short video just to explain some of the stuff that I've just talked through that we've been doing. Yeah. Um, and it was fantastic. So, you know, we received recognition and we won the remote working award for wow. um, for Europe, which, <laughs> which for, for the team, for the culture team, it was some super validation. I mean, because, you know, we were frontline internally. Um, so the employees are kind of the customers in, in that situation who we're trying to work with to, to engage. Yeah. And um so it's really nice that um they received that level of um validation. But yeah, definitely efficient.
0: Oh, have I gone forward too too quickly? No, it doesn't <laughs> really matter. Um <laughs> okay. sorry, I'm well well done on on, on that. Because that is to be recognized externally for what you're doing internally matters. It, it's kind of it does give great validation to what you are doing. So yeah, no, very good. So
1: so yeah, so and I mean um you know, the I think one of the questions you were talking to me about before about the importance of listening to people and um, yes. and, and the different data.
0: Yeah, uh, so just on that, I'm 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 really keen because you know the other thing that we haven't talked about actually um is I don't believe there are any mass redundancies. People's well-being was very well protected, which we we, we saw um through that. And and so and yet with some of the probably the most difficult challenges you faced. Uh, as an organisation, and and I know, you know, and I'm sure everyone on here will know you're a believer in listening to people and employee engagement. That's that's obvious, and that's you, you've already talked about that. But so, so talk to us about listening to people, and yeah, what makes a difference? So,
1: um, I think you know, I was talking to the CEO um, and our head of HR around this very topic last week. Um, I think it was in the relation to the the launch date of our current up and coming pulse check so uh for those uh listening we are I don't know how the dates have managed to collide but uh, we're running a pulse check which is launching today
0: um it was very kind of you to give us an hour when you're right in the middle of I didn't know what I'd signed up to at first so this uh yeah <laughs> whilst I love spontaneity um
1: I love a certain amount of um Wiggle room. So, yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. But in terms of the date, I think, you know, uh, when setting up a, a Pulse Check Server, we know that planning and prep is really crucial yeah. to the success. But We were, we ended up negotiating the dates with the CEO and ended up pushing the Pulse Check back to today um, mm-hmm. because he wanted to complete the salary review process that we have just been through um, mm-hmm. because he was really keen to hear and get um, and understand from the people whether or not that was going to have a material impact on um, engagement. Um, and for me, I, you know, delighted, um, although I would have preferred to have gone with our original date. Don't tell him that. I won't show him this. <laughs> um, but um, I was trying to explain to him that, you know, um, when it comes to running these sort of studies, it's never a great time. You know, it's a snapshot and you're looking, you know, the, the, the data will always be um, influenced by whatever the external factors are that are going on. But I think um, that's the real reason with why I love the emotional climate um, part and feature of of, um, the impulse platform, because the engagement questions are the engagement questions, you know, the different motivators and levers, whether it's about feedback from managers, whether it's about the values or whatever, people are going to be rating those what you're not seeing um, are the nuances behind the scenes. So, you know, when you're asking people how they're feeling and then you're asking them why they're feeling that way, it's a really great and consistent opportunity to test the mood of the time. I mean, when we look back through all our historical um, surveys, one of the things that's really important and that we're really focusing on now is to be able to show that snapshot and use that emotional climate to say, actually, people's emotions were this and this, this was happening in the organization. Yeah. So there'd been this change or a change in leadership or whatever, and this was the engagement level. So it really helps add that um, sort of full rounded view. Yeah. And, you know, we use that. We use the engagement indexes. Uh, we have a KPI in the business, um, yeah. which is great company wide. So people can see how, um, you know, important it is. Yeah. Um, And it really helps guide. I mean, for the learning and development team, you know, the questions that are very specific and relate to them, they use those KPIs as a guide. I think it's important that um, you know it's noted as a guide.
0: Um, And you sorry. So this, in the context of what you're saying, this slide and what you're saying here, I love that context is Queen. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So it's not
1: always King. And and, I, and for me that's really the point. It's mm-hmm. it's, it's getting getting that context. So mm-hmm. we'll soon see after this survey whether the salary review had made a difference. I know um, you know there's going to be some some other organisational um, communications uh, in the middle of the two weeks that we're rolling rolling out the um, the pulse check. But yeah. I, th- yeah. I think that it's 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 just a great way. I mean. I'm really, really pleased. Yesterday we had a board meeting um, and the board and um, the pulse check got put onto the agenda, which yeah. Um, yeah. for me was fantastic, but they're really starting to listen to, um, to how and why these... Uh, surveys are really really important but what I what I realized with the board um, is uh, they're a different animal to the uh, audience I'm usually sharing this sort of information with Um, and the context really important you've got to try and win their hearts and minds but you have to do that by connecting through sometimes with cash and the bottom line so you know how how effective um and how engaged people will be more productive and you know um,
0: and more likely to stay with you yeah Um, exactly yes we've got a great question in from ewan uh who said how do you go about interpreting what comes out of the pulse checks i'm interested as to who does this so very good question um so the culture team so
1: there's a there's a group of us that um uh will take the first sort of steps i would call them in uh trying to understand and see what the data is all about i think um we work really really closely with the different leadership teams and for us um we we, what we've been trying to do is a bit more of a self-serve um mm. approach so that managers and leaders feel that they can go in and access and interpret their data themselves but we run regular sessions when uh once the survey's over once we've got the first set of results in and and again and i mean it links back to this question it's it's, it's context it's about understanding what's going on in the business the heat map um i think is always really really super useful and yeah. um, we do a priority targeting based on um the 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 teams or departments where we realise they've either got super low engagement and then it's about um, speaking with the different managers or the people I mean the focus groups you can run after you get a um, after you run a pulse check with the same employees again and say look here here's what you were scoring Um, you know the managers don't have the answers as to why the scores could be this You'll run a focus session and you generally find that um, you'll uncover what the the, the, core, the core drivers of that might be and then how, how you can rectify it.
0: Yeah, I think it's, it's fair to say, Stu, so just like, again, thanks for the question, Ewan, that um, the, the platform we have gives you the capability, effectively, it's set up for every manager to go and see their own results and they, they yeah. can compare them against higher up in the organization, they can compare against other organizations uh, within industry. So that's there. Um, what we tend to find is it does take, to be really honest, like 18 months, sometimes even a couple of years for managers to get used to um, actually having their own data. That's not just sent to them by HR or, you know, C- the CPO, or whatever mm-hmm. and actually have to do, like engage their own brain and go, okay, what do I think to these? Um, what am I going to do with these? Exactly. And I think,
1: you know, all of us as uh, managers, so, I mean, there's multiple tools that people are using, um, yeah. and you know, when if, if, if depending on how frequently you run the pulse check. For me, what's been great is we've been using this um, tool for other um, surveys in the organisation throughout the employee experience. So people have become accustomed and used to it. So
0: I think that's always really helpful as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. In terms of that. So uh, just moving on, you're going to talk to us because there's been a real uh, evolution, and I think you know certainly from 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 us. Uh, at impulse we we found that um uh was was quite key and you talked about moving to well-being we were absolutely as you know recommending to everyone actually 2020 the game right now is all about well-being because of everything that's going on that's what you should be focused on that is effectively engagement it's it's, it's the whole game so get into well-being we've now moved back or move forward actually and i'd love to hear from you to talk a little bit about from from, from last minute your view Sure.
1: I mean, um, you can see where I'm going to be going because with this with on the slide, actually. But um, what I think is really interesting is, you know, there are influencing factors outside which are really important to people. I think, you know, as we're recruiting um, um, and bringing new people in the team, there are... what I would call different layers of uh, engagement uh, levers starting to emerge and I think you know the well-being index was great and it's really served its purpose for us and I'm so happy that it's become something which we should have been thinking about a long time ago Mm I think um, and taking it seriously but um You know, businesses are coming even more under pressure to be reporting non financial data um, and information around sustainability, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Mm. I mean, in some countries, so we have um, an office in Spain, so there's a mandatory requirement in Spain from the end of this year where we have to uh, share uh, specific data and information points. What's great is it's forcing businesses not just to focus on their financial. Data, but actually to give much more context around what's going on within the organisation, it's becoming it's going to be the norm, and it's going to be everywhere by twenty twenty three. But we want to continue to evolve um, the surveys that we're doing, and this year, uh, so starting today, we've introduced uh, diversity, equity, equity and inclusion. Yeah. So some questions to really understand: Do our um, employees feel feel that they're treated fairly? Um, I think gone are the days where we could simply declare that we're a diverse and inclusive business yeah. um, without having um, any evidence. And, um, you know, I think what's been really interesting, uh, this topic has been a hot topic uh, with our uh, CEO and leadership team. Yeah. And, and for me, what's really um, what's really interesting is the perception of it and, you know, people automatically are thinking but I feel I'm a fair equitable person
0: yeah
1: but they haven't walked in the experiences and shoes of the other people in the organization so for us I'm really excited by it I really I you know I do feel that uh, we're a, a, a diverse and equitable company yeah but yeah. um I, I want I want I want some data to prove it because opinion or I think we are doesn't cut it anymore we need to hear from our people and then we need to be able to look at um how we can know activate or make any change um that's going to make a real difference
0: yeah i think i think and just just again for everyone listening a couple of things i'd really want you to consider and Stu's already started to to highlight is engagement is and should evolve right it it doesn't stay static and um as you say the engagement index is kind of in it's nailed although what i will say Stu, as you know we're believers in it should be contextual to each organization Mm. so whilst there are providers out there who'll say, no, you have to use exactly the same questions. I, I completely disagree because I go, but you have so many different contexts going on. I completely agree.
1: I completely agree. At that point, I, I you know, with the team specifically, um, it's lovely having like-for-like like historical data, but it becomes obsolete because the business isn't the same business as it was back yeah. then. And yeah. you need to understand what is the lever that you're trying to pull. Yeah. Um, particularly, you know, if you're scoring super high consistently in, yeah. specific question you know should do you need still need to be asking that question yeah Yeah. so we have changed some of our engagement index questions for this survey as well which you guys
0: know yeah uh, Yeah. no which which i was thrilled thrilled to see because that's you know a massive part of our philosophy is it it is life is not static you're not you know (laughs) we keep evolving and changing and growing and adapting and uh, because the world around us is so we we need to change and then as you rightly say part of that absolutely is the much greater focus well-being was kind of there but i do think it was quite performative uh, and yeah. previous sort of period and now I think now it's become very transformative like this really matters and it's and it's holistic as, as you know when we worked with yeah. you on the questions it was yeah. looking at it from financial well-being uh, psychological well-being yeah. it wasn't just the one you know um, exactly there's many facets to it and I facets. think that's super super important yeah, yeah. and then the diversity um equity and inclusion I think is is um, I'm, I'm pausing because uh, I'm in a lot of conversations with a lot of um, senior leaders of organisations who are... And I'd love to love to get your view on this. They're, they're stuck, if I'm really honest, Stu. They're stuck because they're going, we did some immediate things, particularly being, being very candid in, in the wake of um, the murder of George Floyd a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. you know, which was world-changing, actually, in, 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 in what the outcome that, that's, that's happened. Um, and And across businesses, there was a recognition, actually, we need to change. We've got to get our house in order, and we've got we've got to look at ourselves honestly. But I think two years on almost, it's got like um, I, listening to them, they're like, what? Well, two things actually. One is there's a majority white group who are stuck and aren't necessarily coming on the journey as much now. Um you know uh, which is a, a challenge, uh, and aren't necessarily wanting to carry on having those conversations and being really honest everyone and we, you know I like honest conversations, so i'm interested in that if that's if you've experienced mm. any of that, and the second is where do we take this and that, that, that they're kind of two things I'm hearing quite quite consistently over the last six months i'd love to to know your views,
1: yeah i mean um Diversity inclusion topic um, is if, if, if it's if it's gone from zero to a hundred very, very quickly um, over the last two years. One of the most interesting, um, we've been talking to some different agencies to understand, you know, what are the different ways we could be approaching this. And, you know, um, I feel, I, and I'm, I'm not, um, I'm quite happy to say, I feel we're at the beginning of our journey on this. Um, I think that it's it's okay. Um, you know, we, the, the point is about having a level of commitment to saying, well, how do we approach it? And um, we set ourselves a business sort of objective, which um, is really quite straightforward and simple. It's how to integrate diversity inclusion thinking into our everyday activities rather than treating it as a project or uh, a checklist of actions that we've got to, got to work on and yeah. um, so I mean the survey is internally our first step um, so just to sort of gauge uh, from our people and then build the plans off the back of that and I mean we've got some ideas about the plans that we want to put in place already and you know one of the other things I think about this you know we are uh, like I said our head office is Italian owned based in Switzerland so you know we have a lot of um, white Italian males in our organization and you know it's it's not that that's a good or a bad thing I mean that's that's the reality of it Mm. Um, but in terms of uh, the change I mean when you are in a minority it's the majority it's 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 winning over the hearts and minds of the majority that actually involve and put in place the change if that makes sense so you know we need everyone on side and thinking in the same way and caring about it as much yeah that's kind of my take on it I think at the moment I'll
0: yeah. have more on that when yeah. Yeah, no, no, no. That's 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 really uh, really helpful to kind of get your where you're going. And and one of the, one of one of my answers I've been saying to people is there's a difference between project and lifestyle. Yeah. I always kind of bring it down to my own life and go, you know, those times you go right, I really want to lose some weight and I want to get in the gym. Hmm. Sometimes it starts as a project. Right, I'm going to hit the gym three times a week. I'm going to go swimming twice a week, and it's almost like this project. But if it's really going to be sustainable, it has to become part of your lifestyle, like having my, for those who are listening at the beginning, my Twiglets every every lunch. I, I I just, know that's like, a problem. I, <laughs> I know it can sound like I'm being facetious, but I'm, I'm really meaning this at a very deep level, that if we're going to see change, it requires people to t- change their lifestyle, So it beca- or it becomes lifestyle as in it's just something of I do, it's something I'm being, as opposed to it's this thing over here, as you described, that I've kind of, it's kind of, annoying me and kind of going come on do something do something exactly yeah yeah so um, and we've got a couple of questions we have got about five minutes left everyone so stay with us because Stu's going to share um, a couple of things of resources that he's been using and some of the greatest changes that he's been through personally we've got about five minutes left but just two quick questions Catherine lovely to see you or, or hear from you uh, great that you've joined so Catherine is um, uh, head of uh, or, or could be could be director of uh, engagement and communications at Waits group and said so it's a basic question, and Matt's going to know why I'm answering. I do because we're meeting with their, uh, some of their CEO and exec team shortly. How many questions do you ask in your surveys, Stu? And are they linked oh, to all the indices, indexes? Uh,
1: so it's I think it's 26 questions this time. Um, and and just, just so you know, I exclude any uh, segmentation or demographic questions. <laughs> and I don't include the emotional climate question in our how many questions are we answering. So, yes, it might feel a little bit more, but um, our, our CEO did comment to say, oh, this feels like there's a lot of questions. And um, I, I don't. I think that um, actually, you know, how and what we're asking felt very well, well grouped together. So you could tell topic by topic. Um, we have a group of other questions as well, which don't link to um, the indexes. Um, for example, pride. Uh, are you proud to work at Lastminute.com? Would you recommend Lastminute.com as a place to work? So, um, yeah, it's 20, 26 in total, and then they're not all linked.
0: Yeah, and you, you know, I will always, always advocate for less. Um, uh, I know. <laughs> and, and we, we, you—that will be a point of difference that you, you and I would um, would have. But I, what, what I would say is. Um, it, what i can say about Stu and, and lastminute.com is you actually do something with the data you get and one of my challenges always as the, the founder of impulse with with clients is they often ask lots of questions that never see the light of day yeah um, and they don't actually do anything with the data and for me that's you know is the criminal bit
1: exactly but that goes back to your earlier point about evolving the the surveys i mean if you feel that a question is redundant get rid of it i mean um some of the questions that we sat in other what we call in our other bracket or bucket is um, is purely because, you know, sometimes it's topical. Sometimes there's things you need to understand as a business which you can put into your survey, which will be uh, an engagement lever in some way, shape or form. But um, they don't need to be continuously measured.
0: So all, I, all I'll say, Catherine, is last minute aren't necessarily the client to, to, to use this. <laughs> As, as I'm, I'm assuming you're on the other end of the scale <laughs> well, no no she, 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 she's i think even higher i think uh, they may, may well be but um oh, okay trying to trying to move move uh, the other way oh, so. i'd be more than happy to
1: continue the conversation on there yeah sure did
0: too. and just very quickly you asked another question how do you bring the stories to life of people the stories behind the stats which i know you're very good at Stu? so i'll give you a moment and then we're going to bring it into land after that but if, you, if you're okay to answer that
1: yeah, I mean, I th- I think it's really what you <laughs> kind of answered it in the question. It's it's about um, articulating the story, and I think it's finding the different channels and opportunities and and people in the business to be able to articulate that. I mean, um, I think you know you've got analysing the data, understanding what the insights are, but then it's about being able to form a package and we spend a lot of time doing that um, because um, it's, it's, it's really hard to you know uh, get buy-in from leaders and managers unless they feel that they can actually really connect with the data and you know having the um, assuming everyone uses the different uh, ha- open-ended questions or the branching questions, which for me um, in the tool for this this year are gonna I think be a bit more of a game changer because it's it's pulling out the comments about what people are saying and then really embellishing them and and you know um, we do a lot of video sound bites back to the business so um, you know from within the culture team to just to try and bring it to life a bit i mean it's not a case of here is a spreadsheet here is your information here is your data it's just about really really selling it it's, it's like a
0: campaign yeah. um as much as it is getting people to complete the survey is it's sharing the results. yeah um, and and just for those listening i would say uh, i can honestly say lastminute.com is one of the best i've seen at telling stories internally and i actually think it's so embedded in your culture uh, that people are used to people stories as opposed yes. to working, you know, with lots of other clients who necessarily don't tell people stories as much. You've just done it for so long. It's it's for me I, when I came, <laughs> in, I was like, wow.
1: Yeah, maybe maybe as I, I don't see the the process yeah. we um, we go through because it's it kind of does feel a bit ingrained. But I think you know, just as a quick example, I mean, um, in terms of um, for this, like, tell me how you're really feeling. One of the things, you know, in we support our leaders and managers um, to make sure that how are you becomes a but like no, really how are you mm. you know so you know taking it's, it's about taking the data and making it actionable but um, you know leaders need to do that and I think um, in, in particular empathy um, is a skill which we've been focused on to try and equip our leaders with because I think that it's about getting them in the right mindset so that yes i've got this data but i'm going to have to be really empathetic to yeah. understand what it really means to our people
0: yeah yeah definitely and and i think that um I'll stop sharing now that that empathy is is, is really really um Really key. So uh, and something again I've seen you work really hard on um, internally. So with two minutes left before we hand back to Lucy, a couple of last quick questions for everyone who stayed on. We've kept really high retention. Um, a lot, everyone pretty much who, who joined has stayed, which is fantastic. So are there any resources you would recommend, uh, Stu, when it comes to helping transform culture and putting people first? Um, yes, um, and and you know,
1: I'm
0: going with a couple of books
1: because um I'm um I'm making concerted effort to not be on my phone at night um blue screen it's a hard habit to to break but uh someone in my team uh Federica she recommended a book that she'd read called um The Culture Map um and it's by Erin Meyer yeah are trying to tell me something that's all my Italian and Spanish uh, team? Um, but it's really about the a reminder of the differences in this stuff. Some of you may already know, but it's really great to see it again. I think being fully remote company with different uh, cultures um, from all around Europe, it's really important trying to work together to understand some of these real cultural nuances on that, on how to communicate. Um, yeah. Yeah. So there's lots of useful tips in that one. Yeah,
0: fantastic.
1: And then the second one I would draw attention to similar the culture code so you've got the culture map and then you've got the culture code but the culture code by Daniel Coyle is a fantastic book absolutely I read it when I was on holiday um, and it was one of those I've I've probably read it twice now Uh, not all of it but there's specific parts and and if you do have an opportunity, really, he illustrates fantastically about how you can design and build a sense of belonging in an organization and, and the example. So
0: that would be my, my big recommendation on that one. Stu, thank you so much. And you know, we had like about three or four other questions to get in. I know.
1: I was like, wow, how, where did the time go?
0: The, the didn't even get there. And so, <laughs> but for everyone who's on, uh, I really hope you found that valuable. I'm going to hand back to Lucy. Um, but just just to say again, Stu, thank you so much for joining. No, thank you're for super welcome. Very busy day as well. So Lucy, back back to you.
2: Thank you both. What a Thanks fab guys. session! Um, and if you do have any questions for Matt or Stu, please do feel free to send them over to me on email, and I'll make sure they're passed on. Um, just to reiterate, I will be sending out the recording probably on Monday, and the slide, um, any resources that we've mentioned, uh, as well as some slides. So other than that, thank you all so much for joining. Keep an eye out for the next session, which is in March, and we're going to talk everything beyond the data. uh, What action do we take? So have a great afternoon.
0: Fantastic. Thanks, everyone. everyone.